Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I am Tristan. And I am Greg. Uh, it's a pleasure to be back after a week off. Yes. It's been too long. We missed you guys. It is. It has. We did. <laughs> Forgot me words. One week off and I've forgotten me words. <laughs> uh, what happened last week? Last week, we just got too busy. We met Van Damme. We met Van Damme. That's right. That's a pretty big deal. Campaign 2000 update at the front of the show. Yeah, why not? I mean, I guess we'll probably do a proper download in the next JCVD episode. But Tell them about that. Here's just... Vintage hat. Yeah, I'm wearing wearing my JCVD hat now, which is the red edition, which, um, you know, the the guy at the counter told me was very rare. And hence it cost twice as much as the, the other one. Rare. Yeah, but it is just worth flagging now that he is a big friend of the show. Big JC. friend of the show. I feel like we can call him JC now. Yeah. Friend of the show. There's a glimmer of hope he'll be on here one day. Yep. So tangentially speaking, yeah. um, we're doing The Wizard of Oz today. So people might say, listening at home, what? You guys sound younger than that. 80? Yeah. 80. Mm. 80 would do um, it. 80 would work. Yeah, um, but if you listen closely, the premise of the show is movies that impacted us growing up. Yeah. And you know what this does? It creates longevity for the show. Well, there's other 30s joints that we would like to cover. Oh, there's, there's at least 20 movies from 1939 that we're probably getting. <laughs> exactly. Dick Cagney. Oh, no, James Cagney. Another thin man, the old mate, Destry rides again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> These also sound like uh, racehorse names. It is all racing. <laughs> it's probably the voice too. So what we usually do, Greg, is at this point, Greg will talk us through a little member berry from the year that was. And usually it's something that we grew up with. Um, so typically I might ask Greg, hey, mm. what do you remember from 1939 in this yeah. case? Which doesn't quite translate, but, no, but have no, you managed to uncover Yeah, something? I had a bit of a look. Um, and, yeah, to that point, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and things were quite different. So I am going to touch on one piece of thing mm. in the uh, spirit of Expo 88. Oh. I will touch on the New York World's Fair. was 1939. The New York World's Fair opened on April 30th. Futurama is named after an exhibition at the 1939 World's Fair, a show where they brought you the future of the world through the eyes of someone living in 1959. Well, they showed Mm. what a car travel might be like in 1959. It was, after all, brought to you by the good people of General Motors, see? Maximum and minimum speeds, expressways, traffic lights and multi-lane highways with remote-controlled semi-automated vehicles, (laughs) power plants, farms with artificially produced crops, rooftop platforms for individual flying machines. The 1939 Wells Fair brought to you by General Motors. Do they have high divers? It doesn't go into that level of detail. I could only assume that was more of an 88. So it's a number two to 88. Yeah, costly. So they were basically practicing for Expo 88, it sounds oh, like. Yeah. Yeah, it was a warm-up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, what else? A couple other bits. The popular dance in America was the jitterbug. It slang, was. A slang term that jitters used to describe someone under the influence. They'd shake or jitter, hence the popular dance, the jitterbug. Ah. 1939, the New York Times predicted that television would fail because the average American family would not have enough time to sit around and watch it. <laughs> That's fascinating. That is fascinating. Wow. Not enough time to watch TV. Well, we don't now. That's interesting too. Well, we don't, but... So maybe they just spent on a really long timeline. It will eventually fail. The year 2020? Their viewing habits will fragment. <laughs> Cross-platform <laughs> integration. Streaming. <laughs> Uh, World War Two obviously began in 1939 in September. Which is crazy. It's crazy. This was a very different world. <laughs> yeah, man. 
In fact, we well, you know they did a the the World's Fair was doing the future and talking about 1959. <laughs> yeah, right. Fuck, that's crazy. So that is my understanding of 39. Does that <sighs> link up with your memory? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I remember. Hey, big year for movies too. Yeah, it actually <laughs> was. It was. Um, well, two I know. Of. It's a new year for us too, so I'll go through the top ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it when we get a fresh year. So the top ten. Should I should I have a go at it? Yeah, yeah. Number one, Lethal Weapon three. No, <laughs> it always seems to pop up in multiple years somehow. It sure does. No, number one was Gone with the Wind. Number two, Jesse James. What is interesting, I joked before, a few of these are familiar names, so it's a very influential time in cinema. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. The rains came. Babes in arms. Dodge City. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Oh, I've heard <laughs> it of that. sounds like I'm calling a race. It does. <laughs> And number seven, we got Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Number eight, The Hunchback of Notre Dame or Notre Dame. Uh, number nine, The Wizard of Oz. Wow. So it wasn't even like top eight. So, yeah, well, it's interesting, right? So it, it obviously is a big, successful movie now, but upon its initial release, it only made $2 million in the US and Canada <laughs> and just under a million um, in the rest of the world. Which is still like decent. It got into the top nine. So that so a total of three million was it? It's a budget of two point eight million dollars and a total gross of twenty six point one million dollars, which I think must be over a few years or something because it got it got re released and that kind of shit. So I think it's mm. more. That's the cumulative total. But in terms of nineteen thirty nine dollars, it was around three mil. So that to give you context, listeners, that is uh, with inflation marks fifty five million. Fifty-five is that just in terms of like the economy inflation? That's CPI, yeah, yeah. Because then there's also ticket price inflation, so it's probably you know because tickets get more and more expensive too. So it's probably even more, especially if it was in three dimensions potentially. But yeah, so it's it's hey, this is no small movie. It's quite the opposite. Yeah, and from a critical point of view, of course, uh, Rotten Tomatoes has aggregated it at a 98%. Wow. Yeah, and the audience came in at 89%. So, mm. uh, hey, it's a beloved film. You know, and you didn't come here to to hear that piece of fucking hot news. We know this is a big movie, and you know, you probably know how this episode's going to end. But I think it's interesting to really dive into why this movie is so Important. Can we even go as far to get behind the why behind the why? Yeah, I want to get to the why behind the why, maybe even the why behind that. Uh, that's what we do here. We dig. We dig. But it is legitimately interesting because, yeah, it's like it's we easy borrow. to go, oh. It's one of those ones you're like, oh, you know, Wizard of Oz, yeah, whatever. I remember that. Yeah, it was there. I love the yellow brick road. Yes. When I was watching, I said to Ara, <laughs> when we were watching it, when all the munchkins started talking, I was like, oh, I can't wait for Greg's munchkin. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you had it in you. <laughs> oh, the yellow big road. Let me look up your skirt. <laughs> yes, there's uh, munchkins uh, couldn't hold their liquor. Mm, we'll get uh, to them. We'll get to well, that. that's it. We'll get to it. <laughs> that's kind of it. They're all chip bags apparently. They're fucking cunts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, C-bomb. Yes, I mean, I think the tone of this show is, this episode is very much, well, what's so bloody interesting about this movie? Well, what are some interesting little nuggets behind the scenes like Drunk Munchkins? There's Mm. so much in this movie and behind the scenes of this movie that's very fucking interesting, especially through a 2020 lens. Yeah, not in at least that it was just made in a completely, completely different era. Yeah. Completely. Completely. Wow. Almost 100 years, yeah, man. it's actually almost 100 years. We're in the roaring 20s now. Wow. Which is crazy. And I think based on that alone, we, we could hit a record wow. for Owens. There's a lot of wows to be had here. It is. And it's just, uh, you know, let's just take a little bit of time to just let it wash over us. Yeah. And s- wash and sink. Yeah. Other metaphors. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but for you personally, Greg, mm. so we all watched this growing up. Everyone in the world watched this growing up, I would assume. What, what's your memory of this movie as a youngin, as a well, munchkin, as it were? you know, as we said, 39 was a cloudy year for me. Um, <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think how to word it. So the rewatch reminded me of things. Um, so maybe I'll talk about them in the rewatch. I had the, because, almost a similar note, yeah. Yeah, I didn't have 
I, it's like Listen. remembering things differently basically mm. was a lot of what I had. Yeah, for me, my only real memory of it is probably the same as everyone else. I saw this movie a few times, probably a lot in many ways, and I don't remember any of them really. I think we might have done it as a school play at some point. Rob's. Um, we both got the same thing going here. Well, let's save that for the rewatch. We'll talk about you know what what arose in the rewatch. In the meantime, how about I get into the origin story? Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. Mm. Origin story. There's quite a lot going on here. Is so it, this is most definitely a rich tapestry. It is a tapestry of three. I've got three kind of streams here. No, not really. These are more linear. But the first one, a book, a book by L. Frank Baum, 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 in the year. Baum. <laughs> Baum. Is that you, Baum, <laughs> Mr. Baum? Baum. Ba- Baum. Okay, the year was 1900. Isn't that crazy to say? Yes. I mean, it's, it's not as old as the book that Double Impact was based on, but, you know, it's pretty good. The Corsican twins, well, Corsican brothers. We- <clears throat> they can't all have as rich a history as event. Yeah, I mean, uh, let's let's take it down a peg. Yeah, um, but this uh, Mr. Baum, Baum, Boom was um, very openly influenced by the brothers Grimm, Hans Christian Andersen, mm. but he wanted to make American fairy tales. Yeah, American. Yeah, American, um, which basically meant all of the wonder, less of the horror, which is interesting because wow. it's kind of freaky as fuck. Well, it's the movie is still fucking freaky. But also just from a cultural point of view, I feel like America probably does that a lot. You know, it's like, oh, the Disney version of fucking whatever. You know, they kind of take out the edginess of a lot of things. That's okay. Like, That's just a that's – It's f- a cultural nuance, I suppose. Yeah, and I think not everyone wants to read about uh, a little girl visiting her grandma who gets eaten by – who's about to get eaten by a wolf. It's true. Or a little brother and sister that get lost in the woods when they should be supervised. So no, I, I'm I'm okay with that. That's yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Did he succeed in making it less creepy? Perhaps Absolutely not. A hundred percent not. So he wrote a book called The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. He wrote it as a standalone, no no sequel intended. But I tell you what, this thing caught fire. Not literally, but figuratively. Ah, sorry. Yeah, I, I, I was like, no way, Jose. <laughs> the kids loved it. They ate it up. They, this was a, a huge hit. I think they printed 10,000 or something initially. Sold out. Printed more. Sold out. Sold out. Sold out. Sold out. Sold out. He wasn't going to write any sequels, but did these kids- Did he create a PDF? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, did the internet like like um, Kayla eating his beach bikinis and people just pirate it? <laughs> yeah. I assume that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. would have. Um, but yeah, he wrote it as a standalone. But the kids kept writing him letters like, please, Mr. Boom, Bound Boom. Uh, well, we want to know what happens next. And so he begrudgingly wrote a sequel in 1904 called The Marvelous Land of Oz. Then he wrote four more between 1907 and 1911, tried to stop again, and they're like, no, we want more. And so he wrote from 1913, I think from 19, yeah, from 1913, he wrote another sequel every year until he died in 1919. So he wrote, he ended up writing 13 sequels for The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. But then get this, after wow. his death. He burnt them at <laughs> no, the stake. The opposite. The publisher assigned someone else to write more. So ah, it's a classic uh, Game of Thrones sort of. Yeah, or even Star Wars-ish. Or Star Wars. That's <laughs> a better reference. Even though he's not dead, but he kind of is. So they assigned um, Ruth Plumley Thompson. To write more books, and so she wrote. Do we know anything about her? That she wrote twenty-one Oz books. What? So from the years nineteen thirteen to nineteen forty-two, they released an Oz book every Christmas, like the Avengers. Yeah, it's kind of the 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 literatural universe of Oz. Yeah. Well, that's interesting too because <laughs> Greg's nodding like he really cracked something. I had written down here that it's kind of like an early Avengers. It movie. is. It kind of is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn it! That was my. That was it. That, that was, was all I had. Ah, jeez. Sorry. Go all on. right. Sorry. But the book was big. So by 1956, five million copies of Oz had been had been published in English. And this is the, still the first year. Uh, no, Sorry, because wait. that's 1956. <laughs> <laughs> so 56 years later, it's millions and millions around the world. And. I'm just sorry. I'm just. I didn't know there was all these other versions. Like, Me oh, sorry, too. All these other. I had no idea. Editions. Yeah. So, 
The first, so the first one just kept selling and the others weren't, can't be I as mean, popular, right? No, no, no. I believe the original one is the one that was like millions and millions and millions. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how well the others went. Yeah, I'm curious. I wonder if they're like, you know, the – the director of video American Pie movies. Because <laughs> <laughs> still got the one guy. Yeah, because Oz. Do you reckon it is? Oz it's the Naked Mile um, probably isn't very good. It's got to be. But Jim's uncle's in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jim's uncle plays the scarecrow for all these. Like she's she's saying, "Hey, <laughs> hey, big guy. Hey, big guy." <laughs> so that's the book. The book was big, but I was um, quite quite surprised to learn that this was not the first movie made from this book. There was a silent film in 1925. It was more of a comedy. Was that a musical too? Um, I guess so. Well, that would be music only, right? Yeah, because they play music, don't yeah. they? Yeah, exactly. Definitely those two songs. And, <laughs> that was basically it. Um, but the Scarecrow was the main character or the equivalent thereof because the thing was in this. Side stories. They didn't really, yeah, it was very, yeah, it's very 2020 of them. But it wasn't really, they didn't take the fantastical element. So. The scarecrow and the lion, I'm doing air quotes here, the lion and the tin man, they were just disguises. They were normal people, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, it was a movie. It existed. But then this movie, the 30s, Disney had a big hit with Snow White and MGM's over there going, huh, huh, there's money to be made in fairy tale land. So this is, yeah, to your point, this is a bit like the equivalent of now and Hunting down comic books to turn into movies. They're hunting down fairy tales to turn into movies. It's like History the, repeating. It's man. like eighties and nineties hunting down Stephen King books to turn into movies. Well done, that change. Yeah, there was this is hunting down exploiting literature to make uh, popcorn fair. So MGM brought the rights to the Wonderful Wizard of Oz in nineteen thirty eight and went straight to business. They went through a bunch of writers. At one point, they got rid of all the fantasy elements. And dare I say it was much darker, grittier. Yeah, for real. So get this. The Scarecrow, so because it was non-fantastical, so this is how they kind of made it. Real world. Yeah. The Scarecrow was a man so dumb, (laughs) literally scaring crows was the only job he could get. Oh. Yeah, so if he only had a brain. He was so dumb. The Tin Man was a criminal so heartless um, that he was sentenced to be placed in a tin suit for eternity as torture. Yeah, and the lion, I don't know. I don't Weird flex. Know. Yeah, yeah. So needless to say, that version didn't go through. Producer Marvin Leroy uh-huh. um, hired – they went through a bunch of writers, but first up he hired three, these three different writers who didn't know about each other to go off and write three different versions. Then he brought more writers in, more writers in, the final credited writers were Noel Langley, who apparently was the most influential, Florence Ryerson, Edgar Allan Wolfe. Any relation to... I wondered the same thing. What? Edgar Allan Poe, is that what you're going to say? No. Scott Wolfe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got that one, Greg. You're all right. Uh, but eventually... he's ever tried to write a book. <laughs> Scott Wolfe. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah. Hundred percent. He's writing his memoirs as we speak. Amazing. On an old school typewriter because he's got feelings. He was good in Go. Oh yeah, he was great, wasn't he? Yeah, he was good in Go. Anyway, they eventually plowed through twenty different writers, um, contributing in one way or another, and they made a few big calls. The fact that it was all a dream, it wasn't a dream in the book. In the book, they literally flew to another land, and so as part of making it all a dream. These writers, and I think probably Noel Langley specifically introduced the idea of the farmhands being the, you know, what? the counterparts what? to what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is something that I was going to say in the rewatch. I didn't remember as a kid, but anyway. Um, I, knew, I knew of it. Yeah, I knew there was something there, but I didn't, I didn't realize. know when I was a kid. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Well, I probably missed in the rewatch too. Yeah. Kind of. So these big calls were made. There were a few other big calls made. So it's it's actually really interesting that you brought up the jitterbug because that was the How's hot that? it was the hot trend at the time, let me tell you. So <laughs> carefully performed whilst having an onion tied to the belt. I wrote that in my notes. Oh, in your notes. You said that. I stole your joke. But I wrote it. And I stole it. Great minds. Great minds onion alike. <laughs> you just get me. <laughs> All right. But get this. So to appeal to youth audiences, they wanted to include some youth trends. And nothing was hotter at the time than the jitterbug. 
Long story short, the jitterbug was shot, but it got cut from the movie. But through the miracles of the internet, I found um, the jitterbug scene that was cut, and, and oh, this beautiful. was it. All the bats and the bees and the breeze and the trees have a terrible, horrible buzz. But the bats and the bees and the breeze and the trees couldn't do what the jitterbug does. So be careful of that Keep away from the jitterbug. Why'd they cut it? Well, eventually they had to cut a whole bunch of shit out of the movie because it was too long. So that was one of them. But as part of that, they also had another character, this princess of the land who was a real asshole who had outlawed all music aside from classical music. So it's kind of the equivalent of like a new movie where they don't like hip hop or something. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's it's kind of where hilarious. Where they're trying to close down the um, community center. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's so it's it's so it's so fascinating. History repeating, baby. Another cutscene um, was the gangbang, kinda because there was a bit more romance between Hunk. There's a clue already, which was the farmhand that was the scarecrow in Oz. The idiot. Yeah. Well, you remember how she says, "Oh, I'll miss you most of all." There was an epilogue scene was that was back at Kansas, and he was heading off somewhere, and he was like. Oh, Dorothy, be sure you write me every day or something like that. That was basically implying that there was romance blossoming there. She's very young. She's supposed to be like 11 or something, but I'm not going to touch that. So, yeah, another another scene that got cut. But so, that, I mean, there's lots of interesting behind-the-scenes stuff that we'll, we'll save for later in the episode. But to round out the um, the origin story, we should talk casting, shouldn't we? So there was an interesting pre-casting with um, Shirley Temple being the more obvious choice for the role. Uh, she was mm-hmm. kind of the biggest child star at the time. At the time. Um, but for whatever reason, it went to Judy Garland instead. I couldn't find a definitive reason why that was. Uh, but a really interesting little plot twist was that Ray Bolger, who um, played the Scarecrow, was originally cast as the Tin Man. Uh-huh. He was originally cast as the Tin Man and he's like, Psh, I can't be the Tin Man. I'm not stiff. I'm fluid, baby. And so he negotiated to become the Scarecrow instead because he wanted to do the crazy dance moves. Yeah, have you seen him dance? Yeah, he's does He's pretty good. And I the, like those old time dances. Yeah, the guys all were tap kings. And because it's all one take and stuff too, right? They had like some, Fred Astaire. Mm. They say Fred Astaire is the Jean Claude Van Damme of dancing. They, oh, I definitely say that. Yeah. So Ray Bolger was originally cast as the Tin Man. Buddy Epson was cast to play the Scarecrow. They convinced the producers to swap. And so Buddy Epson then played the Tin Man and nearly died from the makeup and had to leave the movie. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah, it's crazy. And if you don't know Buddy Epson, he's actually the guy from the Beverly Hillbillies, the old guy. The old guy, old yeah. man Hillbilly. But then obviously Judy Garland cast as Dorothy, Frank Morgan cast as Professor Marvel, the gatekeeper, the carriage driver, the guard, and, of course, the wonderful Wizard of Oz eventually. So I didn't realise he played so many characters. and You, you see him pop up a lot in the movie. but Makes sense when yeah. you read it. Like yeah. You go, oh, like that. Yeah, and as mentioned, Ray Bolger is um, Hunk in Kansas, the Scarecrow in Oz. Jack Holy got cast as the Tin Man after Old Mate nearly died. Bert Lahr as Cowardly Lion. Billy Burke as Glinda. Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch of the West, Charlie Gerber, the list goes on. Not to uh, let's not forget Terry, the little dog that played Toto. Mm. Mm. What a legend! Why did they just call the dog Terry? <laughs> I did, I had the same question. What was the answer? Why well, I couldn't find it. But you know that Still guy. Dead. You know he's been in twenty-one movies. That dog. Yeah, she got paid triple what the Munchkins got paid. <sighs> As individuals. Uh, she was probably more professional. I tell you what, yes, she could hold her liquor. And then finally, we can't really talk about this movie without talking about the director. Or should I say directors? Mm. There are a few, as ah, it turns out. multiple. Yeah. That's what so, the yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've pluralized it. Mm. Yeah. Master of the English language. So Victor Fleming was, was ultimately <laughs> the guy. There were a few others, but it's he's the one credited. Is he related to... Scott Wolf? <laughs> yes. Anyone? So he was directed this movie and in February, which I think this thing shot until March, he was called Offset to go and replace the director that was directing Gone with the Wind. And this other director, King Vida, 
finished it off. He's not credited. So <laughs> this guy essentially, at least on paper, and for a lot of it in reality too, <laughs> Victor Fleming directed both The Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind in the same year. And as you heard in the top ten, they were both that was the number one movie. They're definitely the two top movies like and, not just that year. Yeah, like that that whole bucket of old movies. It's kind of those two, right? Did you, you ever watch Gone with the Wind? No. Apparently it's a bit it's quite racist. All oh, right. Well, I can't really comment too much because I haven't seen it. Well, both of these movies got nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars and Gone with the Wind won. Mm. But um, Wizard of Oz won Best Original Song and Best Music. What was the song? I thought it might have been Ding Dong. <laughs> ding Dong. That's the crowd. Ding Dong, the witch's turn. That's the, that's the crowd pleaser. What movie is that where they go, play our song, Sam? <laughs> it's <laughs> Naked Gun. Good evening, Sam. Mr. Drebin. Jane. Always nice to see nice people. Sam, play our song. Just one more time. Of course. Okay, and I I had a few little giggles in your little preamble there because not only did the jitterbug play a role in this origin story, but also your reference to Expo 88. So apparently um, the city of Oz was inspired by a few things, but not the least of which was the World's Fair in 1883 Chicago. Oh, man, these fairs. Expo 83, man. Got to get you a new mug. Crazy. Expo 83. Can we? Oh, man, I think I might become a, a niche collector of World's Fair. That's kind of cool, man. Paraphernalia. Because they've got that great aesthetic of old school futuristic. Yeah, especially the older. And actually it kind of suits like a mid-century modern aesthetic home, you know? Mm. Yeah, it kind of works. Well, that's basically the origin story. There's way more. There's so much. I enjoyed that. Thank mm. you, Thorough. Mm. Interesting, fascinating, and sets us up for some further discussion. Yeah, well, while we ponder on further discussion, yeah. why don't I play the trailer? Yeah, yeah, hit it. Many, many miles east of nowhere lies the amazing land of Oz, a magnificent empire created in the mind of a man who wrote a great book about it. Like wildfire in the wheat field, the fabulous tale of the Wizard of Oz spread from town to city to nation to the entire world. Although the Wizard of Oz has captivated the children of four generations and fired the imaginations of those youthful adults who have never grown old, although 10 million copies of the book have reached eager hands and eager hearts, no one has dared the towering task of giving life and reality to the land of Oz and its people. Every delightful character of L. Frank Baum's classic is now reborn. Every glorious adventure has been recaptured. Did he not say Baum? The celebration in Munchkinland. The flying monkeys. The rescue of Dorothy. The castle of the witch. The palace of Oz. And Dorothy's strange journey to the Emerald City to find the wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. We're off to see the wizard. What a trailer. What a trailer. Representative of its era. It certainly was. This, this was a few years before La Fontaine really took over. So for the one person out there in the universe that hasn't seen this movie, Greg, give, yeah. us, give us a rundown. Well, yes, thank you. I will. Um, 
So there's this kind of annoying girl living in a black and white land, got a dog uh, in Kansas. A tornado comes. Yeah. And the tornado rips through. Uh, you know, as you probably know. Oh, that's, that's nice. That's so yeah, really good. I don't know what I'm doing. You have to talk. You can't do both. Oh, we can't both do it. You're doing the background noise. Sorry, I just I was into that. I was I was yes ending. Sounded quite. I was yes ending storm sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Um, (laughs) As you probably know, Kansas does sit on the uh, tornado belt. Ah, historically accurate, geographically accurate. Yeah, yeah. So a tornado comes, pulls up Dorothy's house that she's sleeping in. Uh, and spits her out, and it dumps her in a faraway land. Um, this were, this land's actually in colour, which would have been quite interesting for you if you were used to a sort of sepia tone. So the house lands on the witch. It lands on her, assuming assumingly crushing her to death. But she wasn't very nice to angry little people, so they're all happy about this. There's a a good witch witnesses this. Dorothy gets some slippers and she's like, look, I, I just want to go home. I'm not into this whole crazy world. Fair enough. Yeah. It was, look, real fish out of water tail here. Um, she gets directions from them in a form of song um, to follow the yellow brick road. Mm. Follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. <laughs> she follows this yellow brick road in order to get to the Emerald City, and meet the Wizard of Oz. So she's in this land of Oz. He's the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Uh, I assume that means he's like a mayor or god. She meets some massive weirdos along the way, a lion, a tin man and a scarecrow, equally as unsettling and bizarre as each other. Yeah. Um, We can talk (laughs) about them in a little more detail at the moment, but I found them all incredibly unsettling. Probably... Scarecrow the most for me. Yeah. Yeah, so look, that's the gist of it. She goes, shit goes down along the way. Uh, It's also a musical, two stars. (laughs) I like that. That's a good ending. (laughs) Uh, I also enjoyed that. Oh, man. How was the rewatch, Tristan? Oh, it was interesting, I tell you. Because all the reasons I said before, so as a kid – First and foremost, I think this is quite big and perhaps profound, speaking to the the open mind of a child, but I didn't remember it being a dream. Yeah. I didn't think nice. it was a dream. Isn't that nice? Yeah. yeah. Do you know who we need to interpret this? Nolan. Oh, yeah. Oh, fucking Nolan's version of this. She'll end up in a fucking <laughs> tesseract behind a bookshelf at some point. <laughs> what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I gotta say, in terms of the actual rewatch, yeah, yeah. Oh, the first 20, 30 minutes, I was really like drawn in. Maybe it was like novelty or uh-huh. nostalgia, but also yes, just like yes. hadn't seen something like this in a while. Yes, it's just pure like yes. the creativity and just the. At what point did that wear off? About yeah, 20, 20 30 minutes in. But can you remember the scene? End of the Munchkins, around halfway oh, through okay. the Munchkins. Okay, yeah, yeah, I got a little further. Okay, but and and not to say that I hated it. It was more just like then I've let. Went from leaning forward to kind of leaning back. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Well, just well, yeah, well articulated. Oh, one thing I was kind of expecting that didn't happen was obviously it goes from sepia tone to color, technicolor. Um, I was expecting it to go widescreen too, but that didn't happen. Which I oh. guess wasn't a thing then. Perhaps not. Well, apparently not. That's nice. Yeah. You were. Ex- it's interesting you were expecting that. Yeah, you're a very demanding viewer. <laughs> Well, the other thing, so it reminded me because um, I remember watching Avatar and thinking they should have not gone in 3D until they got to Pandora. You know, I, you know what That's I a love good about idea. you? What? Just when, like, you're quite a cinema nerd. <laughs> I would never have thought of that. You know, we have a movie podcast. <laughs> I, We're both cinema nerds to a degree. True. Yeah. True. I feel like you would be able. We have if slightly we, different lenses. If we had, if we ran into Griffin and David, yeah, I feel like you would have better chat with them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd both be. We couldn't. Neither of us could keep up with those guys. So we. Um, I have a question. Yeah, we talked. Well, I talked. I mentioned that there was some 
cues or some memories that came flooding yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. So well, have you got have you got any that you want to share? Anything uh, when you rewatch, you're like, oh, that's right. I this reminds me of. It was less memories, and it was more things that, like the fact that it was a dream that I didn't. Yeah, okay. Realize Spe- things specific thing. to the film. Yeah, so yeah, like okay. the, the I didn't realize the the Kansas characters and the Oz characters were so one to one. Like I knew mm. there was some connection, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, they're the same. Well, what, well, tell me, what did it trigger for you? Yeah, there was there was quite a few nostalgic punches yeah. along the way. Yeah, mostly from within the film. Like, oh, that's right, that's from here. Oh yeah. my god, that's from here. There was a nice little uh, moment I remembered. My grandfather used to always, when we used to go bushwalking, he, when we were really little kids, he used to always, not well, mostly, we'd often sing, we're off to see the wizard and like oh, that's skip cool. down the, the path and we'd all like link arms. So that's a really nice memory for me that I'd forgotten about that this played back. That's cool. Yeah. That's a cool grandfather story. Yeah, it was, it was, like, it was quite a sweet moment. So, yeah, so that was, that was my rewatch. Um, I think pretty much every scene I was like, oh, yeah, of course, that's from here. Yeah, oh, yeah, of yeah, course, that's yeah, from yeah, here. yeah, yeah. But they were like subtle reminders, not like, what? That's from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, shit, I it's forgot more like, that. Of course, of course. But it was literally every scene. Yeah. Like, the, the volume of cultural stickiness of this thing yeah. is fucking profound. And from big things to little things. Like this is officially – the most influential movie of all time. I so couldn't see otherwise. Yeah. So this uh, university in Italy, the University of Turin, 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 it's currently closed. Yeah, it's currently closed. Um, but they took a database of forty-seven thousand films, cross-referenced them to determine which films had the greatest influence on the industry. So they, I think, they had data points for all the references and things. I don't know how they did that, but they're, hey, they're scientists or whatever. And Wizard of Oz came out at number one. Do you know, want to know what the other ones were? They, they're all kind of like, oh, yeah, makes sense. Um, How many do I oh, Well, Star Wars would definitely be in the Star mix. Wars was number two. Yes. Okay, so I'm one and yep. two. Psycho, number three. Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, number four. Obvs. Nah. Uh, King Kong was number four. Oh, yeah. 2001 nice. Space Oddity, number five. Odyssey, number five. Number six, Metropolis, that sci-fi black and white movie. yeah. yeah. Uh, number seven, Citizen Kane. We should watch that. Yeah, we should watch that. For this reason. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, are there a few other movies in there. Frankenstein, Snow White, Casablanca, Dracula, The Godfather, Jaws. Oh, yeah. Um, Doctor Strangelove, Gone with the Wind, and there's a few others. But, yeah, it's interesting. There, there's a lot. There's a lot, big or small. Even the mm. song, man. Which one? Somewhere over the rainbow, them, which right? nearly got cut. You know that song nearly got cut because the movie came in at two hours long initially, and they had to cut it down. The average movie was like eight seconds. Then I think it was. I think that's when Vine was around. No, hey, yeah. <laughs> no, there was there were like ninety minutes, which isn't that short. But they needed to cut it down. That would be unacceptable. I think the things would overheat and shit. Like it wouldn't be. Yeah, it wasn't based on consumers' attention span. Yeah, there was like some technical reasons. So they cut heaps yeah. of stuff. They nearly cut that. They were like, "Well, the kids aren't going to get what that is," which is huge. Even as of fucking 2005 or whatever it was, brother, brother is, brother is. This guy. Oh yeah, the big yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, this is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, man. Like, if this doesn't, come on. if you don't feel this song, you haven't got a heart. This inspired millions or a of brain. people. Yeah, hey, or the naive. Or the naive. This gave people the world over, people who probably shouldn't have had the naive, the naive to pick up a ukulele, myself included. Ah, it's the best. And oh, the film best. clip is his funeral. Oh, yeah. Fucking great. What a great tune. And actually, even um, Baz Luhrmann's Australia. Do you remember there was, a, there was an interesting... Yeah, don't watch it. But there was an interesting... Oz motif, Australia Oz thing throughout. Was there? And made it into the score as well. So there's there's a scene towards the climax of the movie where That makes sense. Where where this happens. Sarah, please. Can't you hear it? Singing. 
but yeah, so the tentacles of this picture are all over our pop cultural history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even something as little as we're not in Kansas anymore has been in a fuck ton of movies, right? At least, at least two. Exactly. So here's a supercut of some of those. Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Wake up, Toto, you're not in Kansas anymore. Jesus, are you startled me? I definitely don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. I don't think we're in Kansas anymore, Toto. I don't think we're in the food chain anymore, Dorothy. No, Toto, I don't think we're in Kansas anymore. Kansas anymore. Go back to Kansas, Toto. Get out of here. Get out of here. Dorothy, we're definitely not in Kansas anymore. Can I help you? We are so not in Kansas anymore. I don't think we're 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 going to be in Kansas anymore. This goes for like five more minutes. So I'm not going to play the whole thing, but you get the idea. So like even something as little as that line, something as big as, you know, because even movies we've done, like Labyrinth is kind of like a modern version of this. Yep. There's um the 70s um, remake, The Wiz, which is really fucking cool, starring Michael Jackson as the Scarecrow. <laughs> if I only had a child. Oh! <laughs> He's going to get me back home. Well, that's nice. Thank you. And good luck. Can you help us, sir? What's in it for me? We'd be very grateful. Yuck, 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 yuck. I'll watch anything with Richard Pryor. Yeah. See, it's pretty good, right? And it's like set in the city. They're catching the subway and shit. I mean, there's the list goes on. There's so much. Oz, the TV show, loose, loosely. Um, Elton John, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. Great album, great song. Man, there's so many. The David Lynch movie, Wild at Heart, is apparently like a modern-day spin on it. I haven't seen that one. But uh, he's also – he plays with dreams a lot too. So he's I think probably David Lynch overall is probably quite – Dreamscape-y? Yeah, quite influenced by by this movie. Jacob's Ladder very much so. Labyrinth we talked about. It's, it's hard to take your brain out of your body. <laughs> Of course it is. It's hard to unless you're <laughs> the scarecrow. What? I, yeah, exactly. What I mean is, it's hard to really, as much as we try to see this in its like original context of. What are we, must have been mind blowing, right? Impossible. Yeah, must must have been mind blowing. Mm. Well, hey, one of the defining features of this film was the use of technicolor. Mm. It wasn't the first, but it was one of the earliest ones because there were a few varying versions. If you're reading up on technicolor, Greg, it's very dry stuff. But apparently the first Technicolor film was in 1917, a film called The Gulf Between. But it wasn't like this level of Technicolor. So I think th- – Can you tell me what Technicolor oh, means? Oh, man. I think it's – I only know Technicolor shirts where you used to like – well, it's Hypercolor. Hypercolor, yeah. I, I believe it's the same technology. Yeah, there was some yeah. to do with like red and green filters and there would like, – I think the earliest version of Technicolor was, was like black and white film with additional green and red – not literally green and red, but, you know, when you mix the colours and shit, it created some... They're two prime colours. Yeah, exactly. So it created some At level of colour. the opposite end, actually. And then there were, like, three more iterations of Technicolor by the time this movie came out. And I think it's the kind 1939. of... 1939. I think it's the kind of thing where, like, there's some movies now that are 3D, but not all movies. It was probably like that. So it wasn't the first one, but it wasn't used all the time. It was probably a big deal to do it. And it was extremely colourful. But, yeah. man, it caused some issues. Because for the technology, you needed to have lots of light, and the set would On get the set. the set would get fucking hot as fuck. These guys are wearing the costumes alone are uh, quite cumbersome. The, Absolutely, the lion's costume was made out of real lion yeah. and weighed ninety pounds. Yeah, like multiple lions. <laughs> yeah, not even one lion. <laughs> yeah, right. It's crazy. And um, did you see that thing sold for three and a half million bucks? Oh fuck, man, that's nuts. It weighs ninety what pounds. Creep bought that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Like, you must have insane dough to spend three and a half million dollars on a set on a sweaty like lion carcass. So, um, go on. Yeah, but, uh, so the combination of those two things made the set uh, very, very uncomfortable. I got, a, I got a, a little supercut of a few clips here that really capture the pain that was acting in this movie in costume or otherwise. I had a rubber mask. Only the unfortunate thing about it was that it sort of closed the pores in my face. And when the lights got real hot and they uh, ate up all the oxygen, I couldn't breathe. It was very hot. By evening, you'd be wilted. You really were exhausted and feel just dead because so much of the carbon, uh, they were very hot too. And you just, it was just terribly hot. But then they would open the doors and let the breezes come in for a few minutes, the great big doors. And they did this as much as they could, but they couldn't stop very often. Of course, the lights were on all the time, the lights and the camera, the whole thing. And you had to be in the building, not arriving at the building at 7. You had to be in the chair at 7. They would put the nose on, you see. And that was all then moved and padded into my face. And then they put the chin on. She's talking about the witch costume there. Yeah, but they, they, all, they, all, yeah, they all had quite a lot to go through. Uh, we will get it. That there was quite a bit of craziness on set, which we'll get into in a second. But just to round out the special effects stuff, one thing I thought was quite cool was some of these things were just so practical and clever was the transition from the sepia black and whitish yeah. part to colour. That was actually all shot in colour, but they had the set painted in sepia, including Dorothy's costume and everything. Oh. And and the one constraint. You, yeah, exactly, man. It's full of those things. And so they actually had her stand in as the one dressed in the sepia dress. And um there are a whole bunch of that shit like that. Cool. So like the when the house lands, you know, comes flying down from the sky, they actually yeah, yeah, yeah. just they painted the floor to look like the sky and dropped the house on it from high up with so the just, camera look and then yeah. played it backwards <laughs> in slow motion. So it's just yeah. yeah. There's so many little things like that. Hand painted backgrounds they call like matte paintings, which yeah. they still did in like Star Wars movies yeah, up until they still do it now, I, I think, they still a little do bit. It a little bit. They're yeah. really good. I love them. And the um I love them. I love them too. I was watching some weird Star Wars thing on it yesterday. And that's someone's job. Yeah. They're, they're amazing these specialists. Artists. They paint these fucking paint. things. Yeah. And even the projection, like obviously when she's in the house and they're in a tornado, there's a projection on the wall, I suppose. And, and that's become that's coming back as a thing now. Because you know how like the modern day they use green screen. What's starting to come back now is using live video as the background. So the Mandalorian, yeah, you know how like in Marvel movies you see all the onset pictures of green screen. The Mandalorian, they actually just had a huge LED screen and would have the action playing on the screen that would be mm. otherwise superimposed later. And so just that, go from there. Yeah. So the actors can re- actually react to the things. And so it's kind of cool that it's kind of come full circle. Acting is a reacting. A couple other camera tricks, uh, movie tricks, old school movie tricks. You know, they painted the horses different color. Remember the horse kept changing color? Uh-huh. They painted it with jello. I heard that. Jello powder. <laughs> that's great. Hey, you know what's another good one that's actually horrible? To make snow, they used asbestos. <laughs> yeah. Which was the style at the time. <laughs> Apparently. And it's probably a good segue to all the horrible shit that went on on set. Yeah, not the asbestos bit. I. It's funny how you say, oh, the Tin Man, like the costume was making him sick, so he had to change. Meanwhile, he's getting just covered in asbestos. Yeah. Which he didn't realise would later potentially fuck him. Yeah, potentially. There was no like obvious linkage, I don't think, with anyone dying. No, nah, like, yeah, asbestos. Yeah, yeah. I've had my fair share of asbestos, unfortunately. I think so. I have too. I was a demolition, I worked in demolition labour. Really? My brother's mate had a demolition company. Yeah. In Ride on Buffalo Road. Huh. Um, so we used to strip houses and I didn't always leave the suit on. Yeah. Which is not good. And I don't think I knew what it was. Yeah, it's not, yeah. So we mentioned drunk munchkins before. <laughs> Should we elaborate on this? Yes. So the elves were, were cunts. Yeah. The elves. <laughs> <laughs> not elves. Munchkins. Munchkins. I don't know. Is that the same thing? I don't know. I don't know. What's the politically preferred term? Well, is? they're called munchkins, characters. It's munchkin. <laughs> Little people. Can you imagine someone going, hey, you're a dwarf. <laughs> Excuse me, I prefer munchkin. Um, yeah, they were assholes apparently. They were always yeah. drunk. They went to the pub all the time. Constantly pissed on set. Drunk apparently and a lot of people were pissed on set on this movie. Uh, I can imagine. The Wizard of Oz was a massive piss head. Apparently oh, wow. he had a briefcase full of booze and he used to just lick her up all really? the Really? 
And apparently he's a legend. And the day he left his briefcase at home, he was an asshole. <laughs> That's like so when he funny. Was hot when he was dry. Yeah. And, and yeah. That's um, mad. Yeah, they were getting handsy with her as well. Like so. Yeah, they were fully Ju- harassed. Judy's her. sixteen in this when this was filmed, yeah. right? So she's sixteen's young. Yeah. And they were apparently very handsy and inappropriate. Yeah. And she was, they were like, we talked about child stars in the last episode. Like this goes this back is, to the 30s, man. She yeah. was 16. They were called her horrible things like the Fat. Pig, pig girl or whatever. Yeah. They, they, it, they were given her diet pills, uppers to act, downers to sleep. That's, yeah. So let's just sit on that for a second. Yeah. They, they literally gave her speed tablets yeah. to perf- when it was set time, like to wake up and go. Yeah. And then at night time. Sleeping pills. They would give her sleeping pills so she would Fuck. get her rest. Yeah. To get up and do it all again. The and her mum was in on it too. Her mum gave her the her first ones apparently. Him. Yeah. Yeah. And they did a Mickey Rooney too and they did a lot of movies Rooney, together yeah. apparently. But man, and they had a strict diet, a diet pills. Or She was, yeah, chicken soup, black coffee and cigarettes. That was the. On set the of this movie. Chicken soup, black coffee, ciggies. Man, that's fucked up. I recently watched the Judy Garland movie. Because uh, and she, she, so she came back, yeah, and she won the Oscar. She won the Oscar. Yeah, Renee Zellweger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She, and so Ara really? came back telling me all these stories of Judy Garland, which was great timing. The fucking yeah, horrible. Apparently, life, man. it was she horrible, was and it kept going. She died like 50, 40, 40 something. Yeah, late forties. Her daughter's 50s. Liza Minnelli, which I didn't realize. That's a mind fuck. And she played Dorothy in an animated sequel. Apparently, there are moments in this film when you can see Liza Minnelli. I believe. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, just in her. Mannerisms. Ah, I don't know a lot about Liza Minnelli. I've seen her mostly just in Arrested Development, in which she's great. Um, oh yeah, but a few other things on set that were horrible. That were horrible. Because yeah, like well, she got slapped by the she director. Got the director slapped. It was she was giggling too much. Yeah, in, in the scene where she's supposed to slap the lion. Yeah, and he it, wasn't having it. Yeah, she was having too much fun. This sixteen-year-old girl, yeah, child on set was having too much fun. After they fed her speed, was having she was a little too. She was having Nancy. a good, like she kept laughing, giggling, and yeah. the director tooled her aside, took her aside, slapped her, and said, "Get back to work." Now apparently he felt so bad that he made someone punch him. In yeah, the something like that. Yeah, but still, fuck, slapped a girl, not cool, man. Slapped a child. And onset accidents, man. So we talked about asbestos. We talked about the original Tin Man, almost essentially nearly dying. He says he still had health issues for the rest of his life after inhaling magnesium or whatever the fuck it was. I have magnesium um, tablets every night. <laughs> yeah, maybe it wasn't that. He just had a good sleep, vivid dreams. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe it wasn't magnesium. It was something. But the the Wicked Witch of the West, when she went into a ball of fire, yeah. the one you see in the movie was actually the rehearsal because the one that actually happened, the timing was off and she got second-degree burns on her face, face. third-degree burns on her hands. And because of this, she was so – she didn't want to do the next stunt, which was the – Flying away on the broomstick, the end, and so yeah. they got someone else to do it. And then she got fucking injured like yeah, horribly in that, massively, like oh, fucked up. An absolute circus. That's fucked up. <laughs> Even one of those stories from set all would it. be all of this in one is crazy. It's crazy. It doesn't speak well of the era. Oh man. Oh hey, we can't talk about this movie without talking about Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon or the Dark Side of Oz or the Dark Side of the Rainbow. So this is like a mad stoner hippie thing that someone uh-huh. discovered, which is if you press play on Wizard of Oz, press play on Dark Side of the Moon, and Pink the audio syncs up. So I tried it, Greg. I tried it. I know. I was. I know you did, and I really wanted to ask you, but I've been waiting for this very moment <laughs> so I can be with the listeners as we all find out together. Yeah. So there's a few things. I did this a week ago and I didn't take any notes. So there were a few specific things that I'm going to forget. But all in all, I watched about the first half of the movie. So you didn't do the whole thing? No, I didn't do the whole thing. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Tune out now, listeners. <laughs> and at first I was like, uh, yeah. But then I think I was maybe expecting too much. Like it's not going to sync up How absolutely. Much, what, if, what had you had in the way of drugs? Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's, so maybe that would have helped. starting problem. But, but then, uh, so I was very skeptical. Me and Ira were a bit like, uh, whatever, like. Seriously, but then a few magical moments started to happen. So, like, once the tornado comes, and there's a few vibe wise, it all loosely fits, which is fine. But then the tornado is where it really becomes. You know, there's that song that's like, it's like a hectic part of the album. That's basically when the tornado comes, 
I thought that was later in the album. It comes back. It's one of those things. And down. Yeah, it comes back. It comes back. But then when the tornado stops and the house lands, it goes real quiet. And that no that yeah, that's during the beginning of the of the tornado. And um there's there's just there's lots of things like that which are quite cool. And I think a few of them a few of them are like that, which like heighten the feeling of the scene. And there's others that are more like in contrast to what's happening in the scene. So something that seems innocent feels kind of evil, which is quite cool. But there's definitely moments where you're like, oh, that oh. should be the video for yeah. the movie. Yeah, uh, for, right. uh, for that song. That should be yeah. that works. Like yeah. the tornado and that. You know, like I would watch it at a cinema, I reckon. I think it would be worth it. I think the next time I watch this movie, I'd like to be high. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. Oh, and there's a few little interesting tidbits in there too. So like when you get to the scarecrow part, the song that's playing on Dark Side of the Moon is called Brain Damage. It's kind of cool. Uh-huh. People wonder, did they plan it this way, right? Uh, the answer is no. Um they have confirmed it. Drummer Nick Mason talks about it here. It is confirmed they did not plan it this way. I've, I've heard the myth and I've actually um, sort of seen how it works. And it is it's very impressive. But I think, I mean, there are two elements to that. One is who on earth spent that much time working with that track and, and that, uh, that movie. And, you know, you could try it. You could probably try it with other records and other films. I mean, maybe Ben-Hur and The Wall would work. Well, he makes a good point because there probably are a bunch of other movies. There's um, Apparently they say that The Wall, another another Pink Floyd number, matches up nicely with Wall-E, the Pixar movie. Who on earth has got enough time to check all this out? I mean, <laughs> what if happens if you turn it up to 11? Uh, no, this one 10, goes up to 11. 10, this one, 11. <laughs> you know, Pink Floyd I really like, but I know nothing about. You know, it's not like the Beatles. I forgot they were English. Yeah, like the Beatles, you it's know right the Beatles now. as humans and stuff. Whereas Pink Floyd I feel like it's more of like a mystery or something. Um, oh, yeah, but apparently Metropolis and Kid A by Radiohead sync up nicely. But uh, one thing I wanted to try, which I didn't have time to do, was just like, try and play Dark Side of the Moon with other various Van Damme movies and see what syncs up. That would be good. <laughs> you would need a lot of this. You'd we'll have find to something for Bloodsport. I reckon Bloodsport and some album would work nicely. I know. but It's my life's work. I'll figure it out. Yeah. So this, this movie is obviously like, oh, it's all a dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on a higher level, there's, there's, it's all symbolism, right, Greg? There's lots of different interpretations of this movie. Yeah. Did you spend much time in the world of Reddit? Uh, not speci- specifically for this. <laughs> no, I I did some googling on fan theories. There's there's a lot. A lot of them are contradictory too. So some say it's an allegory for religion. Others say it's an allegory for atheism because you find out the wizards just not as you know it's whatever. The ones I like. There's one that says it's about feminism, and I will say I guess this passes the Bechdel test, and not bad for a time when directors could slap female and, actors. Yeah, um, whilst being fed. <laughs> Uppers and downers. Exactly. So it kind of works. Uh-huh. All the main, all the powerful characters are women, which yeah. is kind of cool. There's also a conspiracy theory that Glinda the Good Witch is actually the asshole. Yeah, I did. Because yeah. she kind of, if there's no actual reason that you should believe she's a good witch other than she's good looking. She just says bad witches are ugly. She's blonde. And she killed, she was happy that Dorothy killed one witch and basically really orchestrated a scenario to help kill to get her to kill another witch. Mm. Also gave her these shoes that she could have at any time gone home. Um, she gave those, those shoes at the beginning of the movie. Didn't tell her how to use them until after she killed the witch. So there's, that's an interesting <laughs> one. And there's a lot of stuff around the political at the time and that it's about the gold standard and money and stuff, stuff that I don't really understand. But the yellow brick road, gold, OZ being the symbol for ounce. Like there's there's a bunch of things in there that makes it like, oh, yeah, I could kind of see that how that is a mm. thing. One one little one I had that I thought was kind of cool, which I'm going to choose to be uh, my my interpretation that I quite like, is that when when she's in back in the house and the tornado's happening, oh, no. <laughs> no, the, the, the size of the window is not dissimilar to the size of a cinema screen. And the stuff that's outside there is being projected so I like to think of this, is this not just a symbol for the imagination and the escapism and the wonder that is cinema? Oh. Yeah, I quite like that. Brought to you by Val Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so get in there, Six cover your mouth. Six times the engagement. <laughs> well, I mean cinema. I just mean movies. No, no, I, I just I mean love movies. It. I, I don't. Love it. I don't mean the media channel cinema. I know, but I, <laughs> Sorry, Bowen. Um, but you do. I do though. I do though. I, yeah, captive audience. That's nice. That's good. I had nothing on that. I knew you were going to bring something. You know, in this ilk, <laughs> of this ilk. Yeah, well, that genuine. Yeah, I thought and it was I interesting. I brought wine. You brought wine. Wine is good too. Um, should we get into the verdict? Let's then? get into the verdict. All right. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. Nothing further, Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, so we want to actually put a little bit more meat into the sandwich here, the verdict sandwich. Mm. Because often we just go, yeah, it was pretty good. See you later. See you next week. Leave us a review. We've got a few criteria we want to test this movie against, right? Yeah. So we're going to, we'll go Bechtel because we want to, the Bechtel became a little bit of a depressing, ongoing, nothing passes the Bechtel test from the 80s and 90s. But we will nod to it each app. Because it's worth checking. Because if it does, it's worth celebrating, right? Absolutely. So Bechtel test, I think we're in in green light territory here. I think we are. She talks about a dog and stuff. Mm. Um, Simpsons test. I know we've talked about this. Oh, there must be a lot. Fly, my pretties. Fly. <laughs> uh, a new inter- new addition we've got is the porn parody. Has this film been turned into a porn parody? Yeah. Has it? I assume so. I assume so too. <laughs> Uh, I had a note here around special effects. So we're st- bear with us, listeners, because we're friends of the show, because we're still yeah. fleshing this out. But I thought special effects might yeah. be an interesting. And I think thing. overall it's a yes, especially given historical. Yeah, special Man, effects, yeah. The, the cultural significance of this film alone makes it a yeah. rewatch. You have yeah. to. Yeah, there's no question. You've got to go back before you can go forward <laughs> to understand where you're going to go. You've got to know where you've been, uh, et cetera. Yeah. So. I mean, for me, yeah, absolutely. And what was interesting, I think, for this episode for me was the uh, the notion of history repeating. So all these little yeah. things we heard about how this show, how the movie was made, you know, through the origin story and and then you know things about on set, etc. Yeah, is pretty similar to stuff we hear through the eighties and nineties movies yeah, and eighties yeah. today. It's the 100%. same. Yeah. It's the same. We're the same. It's the same. But, uh, I mean, all in all, it's, yeah, like you said, we're not here to say this doesn't hold up. It's fucking Wizard of Oz. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, yeah. this is, this gets a pass for cultural significance alone. Um, this is more of a, hey, you should probably rewatch it. Yeah. And, and hopefully we've achieved trying to give some context as to why. Why is this so important? Did you have any recasties? Didn't and I feel like I don't know why I didn't. No, well, uh, one thing I forgot to mention, which I think was interesting, and why not make it a recasty or at least it's in that same ballpark, was in the you, you've seen the sequel to this, right? Yeah, we got it. I want to do it soon, by the way. Yeah, so you know who plays Dorothy in that? Someone, it's the crazy chick from The Craft, and it's stuff. the crazy chick from The Shaft with a gap in her teeth, yeah, yeah. from Waterboy, The Craft, yeah, yeah, yeah. and American History X. Girlfriend, yeah. yeah, but she's psycho, she's always a psycho, yeah, I'm scared of her. Just uh, can we do that? Uh, did I have it in my next turn? I hope not. We've got to give it a break. Yes it's like you can't, yes do, no. you can't do Terminator 2. Like, you know, we haven't done Back to the Future 2 yet. You've got to space these things out. Yes and no. Yeah, I can see what you're saying. I kind of want to do the whiz. Yes and no. <laughs> MVP? Oh, crap. Uh, I give it to Judy Garland. I would probably have to. You've got to give it to Dorothy. Yeah, because yeah. the song, it's even just for the song. It was it's so great. I was saying before the It's her movie. Brother is version and all that. But this it's good. I was listening to it again today. It's so good. I tried to play it on piano and so stuff. It's what's the good. go with the whole thing about that song being about suicide? That's not Oh, I don't think so. True, is it? No, it's just because no. she She had a rough time. Well she killed herself, right? Did she? She overdosed. Oh. But intentionally? Well, I'm unclear. Unclear. Okay. But Based on yeah, right. Fuck, this fucking horrible. It wasn't story, like though. a Heath Ledger where he probably just accidentally yeah up and down too hard. Yeah, she, she seemed a little bit more. 
Look, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's it's that's what I read. Up story, that's the interpretation yeah. from what I read. Um, so she's my main MVP, but I've got to also give it to Terry slash Toto. I was going to say, he don't was give it great, to the dog, man. You no, Just because you're great. a dog guy now with your fucking dog. Hey, my dog is a cutie but We're done here. We're, We're done, done here. Hey, leave us a review. What did you think of Wizard of Oz? Leave the- us a review. We've had a good time with reviews and we thank you all. We love you. Thank you all. Um, um, but if you haven't left one and you're like, oh, why should I do that? Please do. It helps us. It helps with the algorithm, algorithms and such and we get in the rankings and it helps us find new listeners and it helps us make this damn thing sustainable. It is. It is a, it's a significant part of the process for us yeah. in terms of advertising and promotion. Promotion. Um, we've got a few movies coming up this next few weeks. I think we're going to do a little topical number next week. We're going to hit Outbreak. Yeah. The Dustin Hoffman. Oh, and... The monkey. What's her name? What's her name? <laughs> I don't know. Renee R- oh, Russo. Oh, Russo. I love Renee Russo. Yeah, she's a good egg. I was confused by her for so many years, but now I just realise she's great. Yeah, she's good. So that's coming. Um, very topical. Yeah, because everyone's sick. Yeah, yeah. And they're cancelling the 2020. Yeah, 2020 is cancelled. But you're at home probably listening, so good time stay for safe, podcasts. people. Yeah, stay safe, guys. We love you. Billy. Bye.